0: Hello everyone and welcome to Dragon Talk. How are you doing on this fine afternoon? Special edition. Special edition. It's true. Yep. I'm Greg Tito and I'm joined by Shelley Moo. How you doing? Hi.
1: Hi. I said your
0: name. I usually don't. I usually make you you say it. Yeah, I know.
1: know. It was nice. All right, so then... Showing off in front of our special guest.
0: I know. We also (laughs) have a special guest here. Super special. Super special. That's your your, your full title. Yep. Patrick yeah. Rothfuss. Switched Super special.
1: special. special.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like better than Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so we can't wait to talk to you, uh, author of, of many fantasy books, uh, uh, and uh, get into your love of fantasy, and perhaps Dungeons & Dragons, because oh, yeah. we know you uh, uh, have been playing with those Aquas and Incorporated dudes for a while. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got some uh, D&D announcements we're going to throw th- forth, so feel free to jump in and, and tell us how annoying we are when we shill for our company. Because <laughs> 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 it this happens. Greg's favorite part. I know, right? I have the, the thing for it and everything. Uh, but I, first I have to tweet, which is very important, that we're starting. That's also very good. Uh what's well twitch.tv slash DND. I like that we switched it to that because it makes it so much easier.
2: Should I should I do the tweets too? Should I uh sure. should I give that? Should a we bow? all just get on our phones yeah. and
1: not talk <laughs> That's to each the the other? Whole That's just show,
2: the whole. I'm just gonna I'm just <laughs> it's gonna social tweet movie. at yeah. you
1: some questions. Nice. Okay.
0: Uh, and then I will I will of course uh, make sure it is as annoying as possible by doing a, a, a selfie of you getting stuff out of your bag. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. Is that good, he's not Ryan? Not even
1: kidding. No, it's not good.
0: No, it's not good. No. Your face was cut off, man. Right? Uh, I like cutting my face off. It okay. makes it feel like we're on the, uh, you know, on get the red. There there you You're seeing. it's totally this- <laughs> candid, by the way. Social media in action, folks. It happens. Uh, Ryan,
1: you were on camera.
0: Shh. Ryan was on the camera. Oh my god. Oh my god,
1: I saw him. It's amazing. What? He's he's getting more comfortable too.
0: It's true. Um, But we are very excited for this special Dragon Talk. Uh, uh, It's always good to do these uh, with people who come into the office, and we're so glad that you were here doing some fun secret stuff. Secret
2: things. It's amazing. Uh, you'll
0: find out about it in three to four years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Every, everyone's like, yeah, right, Rothfuss. Three to four years. That's what that's what you tell everyone. <laughs> right. Twenty years, folks. You'll see it in twenty-five years. Well, the good thing about
0: this is that Chris Perkins will be the one who's actually writing it <laughs> yep. and project managing it. So, uh, uh, so at least you know, five years, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, But we have a lot of fun stuff going on in uh, D&D World that is happening now and not in the future. Uh, D&D Beyond is out. You can get it. You can download all of the books. Well, not download. You can access all of the books uh, that have been out for 5th edition so far, uh, as well as create characters. It's a wonderful tool. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I made a character, and I think I'm going to make uh, Junkie Two-Shoes in... Uh, You're going to make my
1: character? I'm going to
0: make your character, okay. and then I'm going to make Daryl Two-Shoes, and then another brother, Daryl, and then give it to Bart and see if uh, uh, Daryl Two-Shoes... are our,
1: our tabaxi characters. Yeah, uh,
0: and it's amazing. So Relative. check it out. If you haven't already, uh, dndbeyond.com... They're also on Twitter at D and Beyond, and uh, one thing I always like to point out is that pronunciation. There's a pronunciation guide in yeah. there, recorded by uh, Matt Mercer and Mercia Ray from
2: Critical oh, Role. No way! Yeah,
0: official right. from Chris Perkins and Matt Cernuda. They got like the how you actually pronounce things.
2: That is really cool. I personally, I always think like however it is in your head. That's it's stuck there, you're going to live that way forever. Raceland, Rasteland that's that was always the argument when you I was. You said Rasteland, yeah. Like, no, some people did. Oh, okay, it's Raceland in my head, yes. But there always was in my head. fierce contention in my peer group back in the day. Um, but honestly, I would just love to hear Mercer and Marisha just read a list of words, any words, <laughs> just, just talk. Now you my, can, yeah, now you can. And do you ever get that in your books? Well, wait,
0: we're jumping ahead. You want to get th- we'll get there. Yeah, okay. Okay. but I'm sure I want a pronunciation guide from, from,
2: <laughs> from them
0: for, for all of that. Uh, so who again? Who knew? It was so, so who again. That's how you say the fish people.
1: I thought it was interesting that we now know things like the most popular class.
2: Yeah, right? Well, we people, do you know was, what the most popular oh, class on, that people
1: are, are creating?
2: Uh, low class.
1: no class Uh, school on Saturday
2: I would guess uh, wizard sadly
1: I know I would think that too fighter no way human
2: human fighter human fighter far
1: and
0: away the most created
1: I don't understand the human thing I don't get it I never will
0: go
2: elves we're pro elf
1: be something I mean you already are a human yeah you You might
2: already be a fighter too
1: (laughs) you might be
2: do you, yeah. know, do you know what a role-playing game is? You, <laughs> who,
1: they, they were <laughs> not theater people. Do you realize That's this true.
2: is not an autobiography Meta. simulator? I
0: think Nothing it's maybe aspect. it's just
2: like, a, like a, the thing you do
0: first. Like and, like, and
2: that that I bet it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's like easy entry it's, point. You and, and sometimes I know like as my life has gotten busier – like maybe I'm not gonna write up an eight-page backstory for my <laughs> multi-class gnome tinkerer <laughs> right. wizard, you know? Or
0: I'm not gonna be able to learn all 18 class uh, spells that my wizard knows and know them
2: inside and out. Like and maybe I just want to hit something with a big metal stick for a while. Yeah, maybe. yeah. And it's
1: kind of I guess if you're you're a human but you're like a beefed-up special human, so maybe that's that. like like just cooler because mm. you can kind of relate but not.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like that we're I trying to figure out the, the way the for safety. it
2: to make sense in our brains.
0: <laughs>
1: right, yeah. <laughs> How
2: dare you do something other than what we would do?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're wrong. You're all wrong. Uh,
0: So if you think that's wrong, go to D&D Beyond and make uh, some crazy characters out there. Make something that you... uh, Make it to PAX. uh, Yeah, and and skew those numbers a little bit differently. Uh, The PAX West live show is happening very soon. Sunday, September 3rd at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. It'll be broadcast uh, very right here on this channel. uh, And we'll be hosting the PAX special thing. I will be there... uh, uh, cheering on and getting everybody all the VIPs into uh, the VIP section, Ooh. Um, and, I, and I'm pretty sure at least one other person at this table is going to be there. I, barring
2: you know huge catastrophe, yes, I'll oh, I'll yeah. be at the table. Are no, you no, leaving you here and then yourself. coming back? I am. I am <laughs> leaving and coming back. It it looks like it. I was going to maybe ride out this intervening week, but uh, it doesn't look like the world is going to allow that. Oh. Well, you got to yeah. get back to writing. I mean, one, one would Ooh. think.
0: Yeah. It's a laptop. <laughs> you can write from the top of the Space Needle. It'll be totally cool. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited. Are you excited about Holly Conrad joining uh, the table?
2: Uh, well, I got to play with her uh, in that pre-session that we did that's uh, a podcast now. Uh, or at least I always thought of it. it did they do it in video? Because we were all on Skype together.
0: I think they just recorded the audio because Mr. Ryan Marth was recording uh, 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 Chris Perkins' audio from here, uh, in this very room,
2: I think. And, and that makes sense. Like, I, I always thought of it as a podcast, uh, but it was a ton of fun. She was a hoot. Um, and the uh, the dynamic between her and Jim Darkmagic uh, was was unexpected but delightful. It's nice. exciting. So you can check out that uh, very podcast.
0: It's at acinc.com. So that's A-C-Q-I-N-C dot com. Uh, To download that and get like a little preview of what it's gonna be like on stage. Uh, The costumes sound amazing. I know Holly's been making the props Uh, for what happened to her in Barovia when she lived in Barovia for 40 years before she was whisked away uh, into uh, what's happening now. Very cool stuff. Uh, And uh, if you know anything about Holly, she made the uh, uh, goblin masks and everything that was at the Stream of Annihilation, uh, Batiri goblins, uh, and then she's a fantastic cosplayer too, so I can't wait to see uh, what she has in store there. Uh, And
1: Danny Hartel was involved in
0: this, was she not? Yes, she was involved in making the Batiri goblins as well. Well, but with she made don't tell me what what Chris's outfit is? I don't. You know, I actually like, don't know. She did. She, she made did. Chris's outfit. That's right. We, uh, we we're joking about how it's actually practical this time instead of the spikes and uh, <laughs> the black
1: baseball cap and a t-shirt.
0: Couldn't no. He remember he couldn't turn his head <laughs> because he had spikes oh. and his mic was like hitting the spikes oh, no. the whole time uh, last year. So uh, that was the only note mm-hmm. that I gave it was like doesn't matter what you guys make the costume is, just make sure he can play D he, he anD D while couldn't
1: Turn his head. <laughs> yeah. he cannot lift arm to throw dice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, but because Holly Conrad is uh, going to be uh, jumping into Acquisitions Incorporated for for that one day, we're on a hiatus from dice camera action and the Waffle Crew. Uh, Chris is show on Tuesdays at four p.m. is uh, going to be back when Tomb of Annihilation launches wide on September nineteenth. Um, check it out then. But in the meantime, Bart Carroll, uh, friend of the show,
1: <laughs> friend of the show, <laughs> and w- this used to be his show. I know, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I stole it. I took it right <laughs> out Take from under away. him. Um, he is doing a Dragon Plus show and uh, most recently last Tuesday he talked to Adam Lee about Dung Grung Lung, uh, the Grung settlement in the jungles of Chalt. Got a deep dive into that little part of uh, Tomb of Annihilation and he'll be back next week, uh, Tuesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time to talk more. Um, actually, I don't know who he's got lined up to talk there. So I'm...
1: Well, I've invited myself.
0: You're okay, so you're going to be in.
1: I don't know if it's Tuesday, but we're going to do some betrayal of Baldur's Gate. There'll be action. something.
0: There'll be something fun. Uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah. I'll be doing a lead in there. 3:30 p.m. Do some d and d news uh, about that as well. Chris Lindsay. Chris Lindsay Chris is joining Lindsay. also to more probably talk about some more grung. Good. i was getting uh, a little nervous. Uh, fourth grade, Lost City of Omu uh, has been going on Mondays at 5 p.m. You should definitely check that out if you're interested in live play streaming D&D because there's some of the biggest names in uh, Hollywood are playing. Joe Manganiello, Deborah Ann Wall, Dylan Sprouse, Udkar Shambudkar, and Brian Pasein have been playing with Matt Mercer, on uh, Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, new episodes go up then, but all of the past episodes are there on the Collections tab, so you can catch up pretty quickly. Again, there's I think there's been five episodes premiered so far. We're doing episode six next week uh, at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, and we're going to be talking to Tad Williams, uh, actually, at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Monday.
1: Crazy. Crazy,
0: author. Do you know Tad?
2: I do. Uh, we're, we're almost related. We share an really? editor and a publisher. No. Oh. Yep. And uh yeah, uh, the fact that my publisher published Tad Williams books was a huge part of the decision yeah. of me going with them. Was that Daw? Yeah, Daw. Yeah. Good job. Wow. I have
0: people. there's I have Tad Williams books on my shelf for days and the, yeah. Yeah, that little symbol you start to remember it and I've read yours, but I don't have the spines for some reason. I've always I was Kindle by the time your uh, books came out. Well. Yeah,
2: honestly reading Tad Williams's books, I was you know, I'd been writing mine for a long time and then it was like Oh, this book is so long like what the hell am I doing this isn't like a little 250 page fantasy book like everything else on the shelves and then I read Dragonbone Chair and I'm like oh maybe I can do this and it kind of it gave me hope to keep going when I might have otherwise just quit that's cool yeah, yeah. and he's a
0: super cool guy Nice. Cool. I can't wait to meet him. Uh, I've listened to a few podcasts that he was on, and he seemed very approachable. So, yeah. yeah. So you approached him. So I approached him, exactly, on the Twitters. uh, (laughs) And I'm very excited uh, uh, to talk to him here about fantasy and everything that's going on there. We're also talking to Thomas Foss from Neverwinter on Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, and then we'll be jumping in with Jeremy Crawford uh, at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, We haven't figured out a sage advice topic yet, but we'll be getting into the mechanics of D&D. So maybe you guys got some good suggestions uh, as for a, a... Big long discussion, because Jeremy and I like to get into uh, the mechanics of D and D and what they make sense for. So if you have any ideas, something that's been bugging you about D and D mechanics, let me know. There's always not even bugging you, but just like why was this? What was why was this chosen?
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. There's good stuff. Uh, there. Uh, so yeah, we got a full lineup there for Dragon Talk. Uh, of course, you can always jump into uh, our Twitch subscriptions. Those have been live for a while now. You get some of the fun emotes that you might see in the chat right now, like as well. Head. Like my stupid head. <laughs> Uh, as well as a um, uh, badge. You get a badge for, for, for joining and no ads. When you watch us all, you get no ads. And that's possibly the most fun thing. And then all the uh, support you guys give us only makes this channel bigger, better, more exciting, better microphones, better mic things. I, too, we were just talking before we started, we wanted microphones from the ceiling. In addition to that, I want a straw from the ceiling that's like, oh, liquid refreshment just comes just, in there it, and then it goes right back could up. could do that like with your headphones. Like a big hamster ball? Like yeah. You just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you want a salt lick? <laughs> a salt lick. <laughs> <laughs> that's only for fury.
1: Oh, of course.
0: Too soon.
1: Too soon. <laughs> It'll always be too soon.
0: Um, one more thing: Neverwinter Tomb of Annihilation is out now for on PC. You can jump into the jungles of Chult and explore. Chris Perkins is a voice in this uh, module. He plays Volothamp Gidarn, uh, and will send you out on some monster hunts in uh, the jungles of Chult. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, I could say that Xbox One and PS4 will get that content on September 12th. So if you're a console player of Neverwinter. You got only a, like a week or so, two weeks or so to wait uh, until you can start playing that stuff there. Um, and uh, if you're interested in finding more about Neverwinter, it's at playneverwinter.com. And I suggest you jump in uh, to uh, really experiment with the MMO because it has all the storylines and lore that you need uh, for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. They've done almost every storyline that we've produced, plus more. Uh, and it's a great way to get uh, about, you know, find out about what's happening in the Sword Coast as well as all the politics and things that go on there. So definitely think about doing that. Uh, all right, I think that's enough for announcements. Do you have anything you want to talk about?
1: I kind of want to talk to our guests.
0: I know, I do too. Do you have anything you want to talk about before
2: we get going? Well, not to shill. Yeah, we're out of
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> See you if, next week.
2: If this is the, uh, the shameful shilling portion of the, uh, uh, of the podcast, I am running a Kickstarter right now. Oh, no oh. way. Um, do either of you guys know Echo Chernik's art? Uh, she does just beautiful, beautiful stuff. She worked with Shadowrun, uh, various game companies. I was hanging out with her a while back because we brushed up against each other in previous Kickstarters, doing stuff with, like, James Ernest from Cheap Ass Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I saw her art. And it was lovely. And I would see her at Gen Con. And I'd see her. And it was just beautiful stuff. And we ended up having coffee. and. And she's like, "Oh yeah, like this is is what I love." And she goes, "I also do like corporate package design. So if you've seen like Celestial Seasonings or whatever, like big oh, she does that corporate celestial. stuff." Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, "Oh well, that's neat. Do you you know like is you is that you do that for fun?" Do you, and she looks at you like, are, "Are you an idiot? Like that's how I pay for <laughs> <Right>. my mortgage." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I'm like oh, because like, oh. like all of her like fantasy art and." You know, and all this stuff. She did a Shadowrun tarot deck, and I'm like, this. Oh, if, cool. if this is what you love doing, and you've gotta like make a tea package to pay the bill, I'm like, that sucks. Because mm. she's like world class talent, and so I said, you know, you wanna do a thing with me? Because like I got a bunch of people. I'd love to see your versions of my characters. Oh yeah. And so we're doing um, a couple of decks of cards, and all of the face cards are people from my world. And That's uh, cool. And it's so it's turning out so nice. We launched it about uh, about a week ago. We had a good strong launch and uh, and this will hopefully give her the money to like kind of pursue more what she loves as opposed to having to kind of do some of these other things just to make ends meet. Neat. You That's super You are a patron cool. saint. Well, uh, don't get me wrong here. It's like I really wanted to see her versions of my <laughs> <laughs> it's Mutually beneficial. Uh, and actually here, this is my version of uh, showing, like, my kid pictures. But uh, I got to show you Bast because he is so hot. Um, uh, this is also gripping... Uh, yeah, I guess it's gripping content yeah. when people are looking what for stuff. What kind on their of phone? direction did you the give best. her for this? Did, um, you,
1: did she come up with her own takes on it, or did you say it's her own take? Oh, yeah, oh. how about
2: that? Don't you want to touch that a little bit? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I'm gonna have to God. get My God,
1: those eyes.
2: Uh, it was right. Like she really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll be I was oh, so there. dreamy. Right.
2: Oh my God. And see, that's oh, the Faye wow. version. And as the that kick's, is gorgeous. As the Kickstarter gets bigger, we're actually doing like two versions of the deck. There's the regular and the alternate oh, because there's more characters than right. just 12 face cards. So they're all going to have the same back. But as the Kickstarter gets bigger and bigger, we're adding cards to the alternate deck. So what you'll be able to do, since they all have the same back, is you'll be able to swap them out and build your own deck oh, out of these cool. double sets. So like you can have a more Quoth deck or you can have two aries in here and you can so it's it's kind of a fun a fun thing for the people that want that to see cool. all the art i yeah. love it i love
0: it yeah. so what's uh it's on kickstarter what's the url for that uh, look t- for cards
2: kickstarter.com slash i don't know
0: um <laughs> <laughs> uh, html dot 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 we'll put it in the, we'll put it in the chat oh it's already up there look oh. Axis already did it thank nice you. Oh, thank well you, done Alexis. You're a good person. Uh, very smart. Uh, so cool. Yeah, go check that out. Um, and I want to do it. Uh, I, wanna, I I need that in my life <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, that's gorgeous. More cards. Um, awesome. Cool. Uh, let's kick it to a segment. We're going to throw it to something. I'm not sure. It'll be either a Sage Advice with Jeremy Crawford or Lord You Should Know with Chris Perkins and Matt Cernit. But we'll make with the, with, the, with the bongs and the bangs <laughs> right about now. And then we'll get back with an interview with Pat Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know where we dive into Dungeons & Dragons lore from the Forgotten Realms and give you some uh, information you might be able to use in your game or just for your satisfaction. I am Greg Tito and I'm joined by Matt Cernet. Hello. And Chris Perkins. Hello. And we are going to talk about Netheril, otherwise known as the Netherese Empire uh, from uh, many years in the past in the Forgotten Realms.
3: They've come and gone. Come and gone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh,
4: so what, what was the first uh, uh, kind of incarnation of the uh, of this empire? So, uh, Netheril was mentioned in uh, the Grey Box for the Got Realms, the first sort of edition of the the setting that was released, and it was probably mentioned in Dragon articles before then by Ed, but I'm not positive. I have to dig that up. And it's basically um, this – referenced as an empire of very magical human wizards that, you know, faded and gone by the time that – you know, the present day. So it's one of the Forgotten Realms. Oh, I see. Um, And it's it's where a lot of the uh, artifacts and power and
0: ruins uh, that – yes. Netheril was a highly magical society. Was it a utopia? Was ooh, it? Was it? Did it No, <laughs> nothing close to utopia.
4: <laughs> was well,
3: it a maybe, maybe some of the most powerful <laughs> Netherese thought it was yeah. pretty. utopic. <laughs> but, this
4: yeah. is great! I'm the most powerful um, dude on the world. So, so the the history of this this sort of uh, country or whatever you want to call it uh, starts about five thousand years ago, five thousand five hundred or so from the the current date of the the realms, and um, basically there are some human villages that band together under a king and yada yada. But uh, eventually some elves take an interest in them and start teaching them magic. A snake. They learn, they learn <laughs> That's where everything steak. goes to crap. They learn a few things and uh, they start, you know, sort of taking over other areas and becoming more powerful and so on. Um, well, uh, then a weird thing happens. <laughs> um, this this mage comes and, and gives them uh, the, the nether scrolls. Mm. And the Nether Scrolls, or some of the Nether Scrolls, anyway, are these um, golden magical scroll things that have all of these bizarre secrets of magic that are even um, sort of deeper secrets than the Elves even knew about magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out uh, that the the person who gave the, gave these to them, that which the Netherese call the Terasir, is actually a Saruk. If you remember the. We talked a while back about sort of the um, progenitor. progenitor races and stuff like that. Saruk yeah. was one of them, and so the Saruk was the one that became the Yuan-Ti, right? Uh, yeah, Ish. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so the Suruk, uh he's he, the is Actually, it's, it's all it's really complicated, sort of history-wise, myth, mythology-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, The Saruk in this case uh, comes from a group of liches that are up in um, what is now Anorak Desert, like underground someplace. And uh, they wake up every now and then and have a conclave and then go back to sleep, sort of kind of a thing. And uh, the Terraceer kind of sneaks out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, hey, humans, have some nether scrolls. <laughs> and uh, he slides it across to the table of them, and, and they're like, hey, what's this? And they, they they build this crazy, fantastical, magical empire out of it, uh, essentially. And these are these
0: nether scrolls have, uh, are they powerful on their own, or do they have powerful spells? They, it's
3: kind of the, the, the... It's like handing cell phone technology and nuclear technology to a medieval society. I see. Um, but it's like, it's, here are the pieces to build... Things with now go off. Oh, you're not even prepared for you know, you know, a car, let alone building a nuclear power plant. But we're going to give you the nuclear power plant right now,
4: right off the gate.
0: Right. And, so they didn't and, realize any of the costs or any of the things that could have go wrong.
4: And so they do crazy things. And one of the things that they do is um, they make a, a thing called a Mythilar, and a Mythilar is a, basically a way of very easily creating magical items and effects that are permanent. And so it's it, it gets wonky but but basically um there's a product that was put out um netheral uh or the empire of, empire of magic Empire yeah. mm. and uh and that deals with basically being set in that time period oh, and okay. so the rules are totally different for for wizards they're not even wizards they're called arcanists um and the way that they ac- ac- access sort of magic is entirely different they don't have the same spell set i mean Everything's all weird and crazy. Do they not access the weave that you know. The it, they do, but it, in this weird new other way that that's sort of um, then later on when Netheril falls, uh, people lose access to. I see. Um, so the myth bars are this weird thing, and the other thing they do later on is uh, they uh, they discover the or or create the idea of heavy magic and heavy magic is like this weird golden honey colored floating goop mm. that <laughs> that, <laughs> that you can kind of imbue spells into and then paint onto things and do crazy things with oh. and so then I mean they, they basically they're these super powerful wizards that the Netheril Empire becomes essentially uh, a cadre of super super powerful wizards in yeah. flying cities that rule made of the heavy metal goop that that's how they of, yeah, do yeah Mithlar's and all that kind of stuff and, uh, and basically, the families of these super powerful wizards uh, rule the societies. And if you're on those, those uh, cities. Um, they have like heavy magic wrestling parties <laughs> where you're just like
3: <laughs> rolling around it, and it's getting covered in your face. And-
4: I'm glad you went
0: there because that's yeah. where my mind was. Right? Yeah. That are like, you know, there, there's concerts and there's heavy goop yeah. going everywhere. <laughs> Everybody's just covered in it.
4: So This empire's going to last forever. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> they do all this crazy stuff, and and, and if you're in that city, it's, you're pretty well off. If you're one of the noble families, you do really well. I mean, it's sort of an oligarchy, kind of, right? Right. right. And then if you're on the city, you're, you're you're better off than than not. And if you're on the ground. Yes, sucks to be you. We're the best. (laughs) It's kind of we'll take all your food. Weird Bronze Age, you know, Conan Survival of the Fittest, you know, kind of place. How many? How many wall? How many cities were there? How many floating cities were there? Oh gosh, Um,
0: there were at least a dozen. Yeah. Yeah, Oh wow. So it's not just. A handful. It's yeah. like
4: they have, they have a. An, yeah. Do they could they travel? Like, yeah, they can float mm-hmm. around and 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 do stuff like that. And so while that's just going on, uh, the Netherese are having conflicts with races on the ground, including orcs and stuff like that. But the most significant one is weird conflicts with um, what's called the Ferrum. The yeah, Ferrum are alien funnel like. Creatures Forearmed. that don't look like they belong in any natural habitat. Yeah, I mean, they're even weirder than Beholders. Yeah. And right. uh, and they are a super magical race, and they kind of realize that um, they... <sighs> It, the 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 netheries sort of contain them but they don't like that and so they start attacking and draining the netheries sort of of magic mm. and so that gradually turns the the ground beneath the cities of the netheries to sort of a, a desert and so on yeah. and there's sort of a a, a long term war between the netheries and the pharum that's going on and, and so on are the pharum, all do they also have floating city? No, or they, like, they actually live underground. Yeah. And, and so the, the war that happens mostly affects the people who are on the ground. <laughs> Everybody who's uh, yeah. in the middle. Uh, yeah, and so it just gets worse and worse and worse for them. And uh, eventually the there's one particular um, Netherese wizard who decides, that you know, the only thing cooler than being this awesome, super powerful Netherese wizard is being uh, the god of magic. And so I'm just going to take control of that, and that's Karsis. And so he he embarks in what is uh, later called Carcissa's folly, and tries to basically take control of the weave of magic and become the god of magic from uh, what is then called Mistral rather than Mistra, and uh, that causes massive calamity essentially worldwide, and and uh, as the weave fails and all of those. Uh, cities, not all of them. Uh, some of them fall out of the sky. Some of them, um, by that point, have traveled elsewhere and landed, or uh, they've gone to another plane, or they've gone out of time because they. Some of them can shift themselves out of time. There's oh, like cr- chronomancy is going on during this Netherese Empire. There's like a th- few thousand years there where they're doing stuff. Yeah, and. So, so I mean, it's just a, it's a wacky magical realm. Ion stones th- are actually uh, from the DMG. Are, there's a they're ascribed in the Forgotten Realms to uh, uh, Nethery's um, inventor, essentially. So, oh no way! Okay, yeah. everybody remembers ion stones. That's like a, a a good touchstone to be like, all right,
0: yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that's uh, is it made from the goop? Is that actually what those are made out of? Or are they?
4: Well, I, at this point, they're probably just made in some conventional manner. But um, at that time, I'm sure, yeah. Assembly line, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, yeah, so suffice to say, Netheril went bye-bye yeah. and left behind a big desert right. where their empire used to be called Anorak. And didn't seem like they were going to come back anytime soon when, lo and behold.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Krakow. Krakow,
3: fourth edition. <laughs> third,
4: actually.
3: Third. Uh, yeah, you're right. They, they premiered in third yep. uh, because uh, we describe uh, their shadow Yes. The shades. The shades come back. So
0: let's talk about shades. Yeah, what are the shades? So um, these. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: well.
2: there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh
4: yeah. So with uh, these on now. <laughs> one of <laughs> the one of the cities, the city of shade, as it turns out, <laughs> goes goes to the. They uh, put
3: down all the other
4: cities all the time, yeah, that I, <laughs> but like slyly. So really, I kind of have to think about it. Uh, goes to the um, basically the shadowfell. I mean, it was it was called the the plane of shadow at the, the third edition period or whatever, and um, and stays there. And it's it's basically um, uh, cozened by Shar, uh, the goddess of darkness and loss, and so on. Mm-hmm. And the netheries become uh, what are called uh, shadowvar or shades. And uh, they are sort of humans, but they're tainted by their life in the Shadow Realm and they look different and so on.
3: They kind of take on this grayish, almost translucent cast to them, like they're only kind of partly there.
4: Yeah, and there's like a weird detail about their eyes, that their eyes are sort of gem colors and, and so on. So like, that's a funny thing. So did they, so just to be, so one of these floating cities... Uh, spontaneously
0: went into the, sh- the the shadowfell, or was that like their goal? Was yeah. like, oh, we're, things are blown up. Let's yeah. phase into this. We'll go into this other yeah. realm, and we'll we'll hang out there for a few hundred years. Uh, and then, but they didn't realize that this would affect them I've, physiologically, or they were like, ah, we're cool with it. Uh, uh, hard to tell.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Some right. some probably knew and didn't care. Where is it the leaders
4: who did it? And then
3: the, yeah, the common folk were kind of like, yeah. Everybody else gets br- just everybody dragged gets, along. <laughs> yeah, everybody else just gets dragged along. Oh, man.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that are falling out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they all get dragged along and then they come back and they are a great big evil empire in third edition. There's a series of novels um, that uh, deal with that. And there's various characters that that's spin off of those series of novels yeah and that deal with those types of uh, individuals. So Erevis Kale um, wasn't originally a a, a shade, but he eventually becomes one, mm. and so on and so forth. So Artemis Entreri also got yes um, shadowed a bit. Uh, yep, a bit. Oh, really? So yeah, yep. y- there's all kinds of weird ties and so on. And uh, the the sundering eventually ends. Sundering novels that are were the sort of kickoff for fifth edition for Forgotten Realms uh, ends with the uh, city of shade. Um, Basically, slamming into the city of Mithranor um, and uh, there's sort of a mutual d- destruction there that happens. Um, oh. And so the sh- the Empire of Shade in fifth edition is more or less gone. Uh, there's there's a bit of a so there's also a, a, a concurrent rise of the uh, Faram who who have been presumed dead for a long time. Um, They're back as well? Yeah, so there was a thing called the Memory Spire in 4th Edition that was this big silver spire that's kind of like a weird beehive-looking teardrop-shaped thing that just sort of floats around um, the the Empire of Netheril um, and just kind of teleports about, and the Netherese don't really know what it is or what's there or what's in it. They assume that it's some sort of um, ancient uh, weapons cache or something like that. And... I think it's DDO, Dungeons Dragons Online, that um, went ahead and revealed that that was actually a more or less hive of um, sleeping pharam, uh, and so there's oh. there's some forces that go in there thinking it's a weapons cache. Both... Uh, like, oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> both really screwed up. Netherese and some sort of rebels against the Netherese. Yeah. They're both trying to get this, this thing. And then it, it turns into a sort of a weird super weapon where it starts Yamato gunning the ground and dr- draining it of magic in order to sort of wake up the pharaoh the inside. So they go inside, and they accidentally awaken this machine that starts draining the... The landscape of magic and life, and turning Stupid it back into a desert, and <laughs> the, the pharaoh get out again. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> oops, oops. I'm, I'm sensing a theme yeah. Uh, yeah. with uh, with the Netherese here. Yeah.
3: And although the Empire of Shade is basically gone again, N- Netheril is once again sinking into the annals of history. Uh, there's still some shades running around doing stuff because there was some shade activity in Sembia.
4: And, um, and uh, neverwinter wood. Neverwinter
3: wood. So it's like clean up on aisle six. You know, you're just gonna keep seeing more
2: around.
3: messes around. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like a bit like a bad that's always kind of
0: yeah. there, and you don't even realize that they've been yeah. underground. We, we can always go back there if we want to or have to. Um, so this, you, just to go back to you said so much, uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. but uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the city of shade and Mithranor they. You said they like kind of mutually destroyed each other. Yeah. Was it through war? Or
4: was them by being? <laughs> oh, it did. Yeah. Fall into. So, so the another one. The leader of the Netherese uh, was basically trying to um, steal the weave again because mm-hmm. they, they keep on trying, and in this case, uh, empower Shar uh, to sort of be the goddess of magic um, and. Uh, that didn't work out because it was sort of gravitroned into Myth um, <laughs> <laughs> Mithranor. Mithranor has what's what's called uh, a mithil. Um, mythals are different than mithilars, um, but they sound very, <laughs> very similar. Yes, so a mithilars is like an actual physical object, like it's a it's, a, it's like a, a, a beacon of power that emanates out this magic, and you can make things permanent permanent and magic effects, permanent, and you can carry it around and stuff like yeah, that. Um, yeah. And a mythal is actually a magical field that is uh, sort of spread over a broad area. And it is, again, like an ancient magic that's super powerful and takes a lot of super powerful wizards to do it. So it's not like a ninth-level spell that some wizard can cast. You know, it's like a ninth-level spell that, like, some 20 wizards have to get together right, and cast, right? right. So oh, you- and the mythals are the things that are like uh, 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 defending Silvery Moon and things like that. Yeah, yes. Yes. and, and these, are, these are sort of permanent fields of magic that really just last forever and do specific things. So, right. like, in Mythdranor, um, when the city was at its height, uh, you know, you any, everyone could fly. You could just fly, you know, <laughs> if you wanted to. So everyone could just Superman around nice. whatever they wanted to, um, and other weird effects like that. The, there was no, I think there was no mind reading and no teleporting into the city allowed and stuff like that. Right. Um, and so basically, they they the powerful elf wizards and so on that are left in Mythbraner, um at the end of the the. Um, that those series of novels turn the law or, or the mythal against Mythdranner and try and sort of like suck it in to the city, and or against um, the Sh- city of Shade and suck it into the city, and it ends up sort of destroy. It's it sort of it's it's that or, or the or let the world get wrecked by you know
0: by the Shades. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Is there still a a, a city of Shade in the Shadowfell now, or is that also get nullified because of the of this event?
4: The implication is that, like, its runes are basically spread across um, wherever and mixed up with Mithranor at this point, that it's a big heap of rubble spread across miles of the forest and stuff like that. Got it. Okay. Um, And then we also talked about uh, uh, Halrua and a couple of other
0: places, and these are remnants of the the Netheril uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Empire throughout there. So
4: throughout the whole... um, Rise of the Netherese Empire and its various stages. Um, there are uh, sort of offshoots, who various wizards who go off, or conclaves of them that go off and try to set up their own settlements in different places. So Luskin, the city of Luskin, is originally Ilusk, which was founded by the Netherese. Galthegrim was originally um, helped to be founded by the Netherese. Um, various other places yeah. are. Uh, it was like a place out in the Sea of Swords, which is yeah, was a Netherese stronghold,
3: mm-hmm. and yeah, so. When when we say you know if a person is a Luskin, they sort of look a certain way. They've got dark hair, blue eyes.
0: That all traces back to Netherese ancestry. Okay, I see. So, the uh uh, uh the pale skin pale too, skin, yeah. light skin. Right, that makes sense.
4: Yeah, and the, there's a, a funny, weird thing with gnomes as well. Um, there's there's a bizarre element in some of the lore where gnomes were peculiarly persecuted under <laughs> the Netherese Empire. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they just didn't like them. They were like, no, they get the get right out.
0: All right. So basically, when oh, you set so dystopia, much a war, building choices, a yeah. design <laughs> choice. I'm
4: like, oh, I someone hated gnomes, <laughs> and they wrote it into the game. Uh, and there so,
3: are no gnomes in this campaign. Here's why.
4: Here's why. And and, right. and so there there's the, the follow-up effect of that is is that there's stories about how like the gnome there are they're like gnome flights from Netheril where there are like these these <laughs> you know <laughs> underground railroads for, for gnomes fleeing Netheril yeah <laughs> and uh, they there's actually it's called the trail of mists which is this series of gateways to the ethereal plane that are dotted around the front realms um, and that was originally created by gnomes and uh, and nice. Netherese sympathizers with the gnomes, who mm. basically gave that's an
3: escape maze, basically.
4: Yeah, it gave the mm-hmm. the gnomes a way to sort of have safe passage right. across the surface of the world through the the ethereal plane, and you have to have a certain like weird gemstone in order to get through each gateway yeah. or whatever. And but the cool thing
3: is that the trail of mist is still there. Yes.
4: Yeah. yeah. It's still so, sitting there.
3: Yeah. You can discover it. You know, yeah. use a fancy gem to transmit yourself ethereally across the face of Faerun.
4: And it, it's weird because it's it's basically like there's an illusion of something like an object, like a, or or a, a the face of a cliff or something like that. Yeah, a tree, a stump, a log, and uh, but it's just an illusion, and you can pass through it. Um, but if you do, nothing happens. So you, you might unless you have the gem. Yeah, so you might encounter like a weird illusion of a big boulder and go to sit on it and fall through, <laughs> but nothing happens. But if you have the right gem, uh, you, you'll actually pass through that into the border ethereal, and then you can like wander across the border ethereal for a while till you find, hopefully, find another gateway. If you don't know where it is, you'll just wander across the border ethereal for a really long time, be stuck nice. there and die. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, like most D and D campaigns, yeah. you, you have to get, find your way out. Yeah. Right. Uh, I like that. I like that little detail that people might discover uh, uh, as well. I mean, I, I, I love that uh, the tendrils of this empire story kind of infects almost all the stories we're talking about now yeah. you know, in and some even way. even
3: though we don't say it in a lot of adventures when you're finding magic items in dungeons or stuff, chances mm-hmm. are those magic items were made during the time of the Netherese Empire. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially if they're, you know, yeah. uh, powerful or like right. you don't know Stars, what their effects weapons, are.
3: Things like that. Those yeah. were a dime a dozen back then. And now you're just finding they're all relics of that ancient,
0: forgotten realm. Right. Um, did they have a coinage? Was there, like, a, a specific
4: coinage, like a platinum or gosh. something like that that they used? Oh, or? gosh. There probably is something listed in... Because yeah. uh, there, there was um, the the Netherese box set that was done, and then there was... A, a, a How the Mightier Fallen was an adventure that was done. and. Oh, okay. There's a series of novels even set during that period. So when you think about it, it's a strange choice to say, okay, now we've got the, our modern Forgotten Realms, you know, setting. We're going to make up a setting from 5,000 years, you know, ago. <laughs> and
3: we're going to reproduce The not-so-forgotten realms. <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to remember everything it, now. And
4: and we're going to do some <laughs> novels, like a trilogy of novels for it. Oh, okay, I guess. Well, but, yep. hey, you know, TSR, they did a lot of fun things like that. Wealth of good
0: stories. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's a, you can never uh, have enough, right? It's like The Old Republic uh, coming back, Uh Cool stuff. All right. Well, I'm sure there's a lot there to unpack. Um, uh, maybe if, uh, uh, if you guys are interested, we'll, we'll do uh, another one on, on a smaller bit of what you just said uh, uh, and uh, get even more detail on it. Cool. Good stuff. All right. You look like you're going to say one more thing. Nope. I cut you off. All right, I'm good. good. <laughs> uh, what if people want to uh, ask you about uh, what brand of shades you have on? Where can they find out? <laughs> uh, they can
3: ask me on Twitter at
0: Chris Perkins DND. And you, Mr. Souris? at CERN, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Uh, uh, we'll learn more about uh, more lore uh, in other things going forward as soon as Chris can take his yeah. sunglasses off. Nine ninety nine, uh, folks. In a much cooler way than
2: that.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll see you soon. Uh, all right, well, we're back. That was an amazing segment. I learned so,
1: enlightening. so
0: much about rules, mechanics. I am stunned to the point of speechless. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I don't even that. want to comment on it because it'll be too it's much.
1: like I didn't even hear it. It's so
0: weird. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so we get to pick your brain. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss. What uh, is uh, left off-
1: after, like, these days with Chris Perkins, though? I, I feel it's like your brain's God. probably been picked over pretty good.
2: <laughs> you know, I was, I was kind of worried coming out here. Uh, I've been... Play in D anD D since way before it was cool, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and the ability to come in here and kind of mix it up. I don't, I don't, I, I, I hope this is okay to mention. He, I, I initially got invited out to maybe help work with Storm King's Thunder, mm. and that was years ago, and it, it, we just couldn't quite make it work with my schedule and yeah. and. Like there's been a lot of things that I've had to say no to over the years, or I've I've missed out on, but like none has kind of stuck in my teeth like that. The the, the missed opportunity to come and be part of of D anD D, which was such a huge part of, of my childhood or my uh, my learning how to be a storyteller. So really.
0: when did you when did you start playing? When did, was it when you were a super young
2: kid, or was it middle I, school? I can I can remember it very specifically. It was in the fifth grade. Wow. Um, and because I went to a very small school for first through fourth grade, uh, Pumpkin Hollow School. Oh, not even,
1: that's adorable. Not
2: even kidding. It's a, it was it sounds like a D&D name. It's one first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. There were four teachers, a lunch lady, and the aide. That was the whole school out wow. in the country. Then I went to the big school where there were all these fifth grade classes. and They'd all known each other for a long time. And we were the f***ing hit kids. Yes. Sorry, I shouldn't cuss. That's and right. uh, who, who had come into this the school. The Pumpkin Hollow kids. The Pumpkin, <laughs> ho- pumpkin <laughs> Hollow kids. And so watching, <clears throat> there, you know, when it would rain, instead of having recess outside, so you'd, you'd do it in the gym. And there were these kids who would play this game. They had, like, these maps and then dice. And they would all be over there in the corner. And But you got to remember that this was way back in the day. Like, really legit before D&D was, like, a socially acceptable thing.
0: Can you date yourself? What 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 year is this?
2: Um, I am 43. And so you can do the math taking it back to fifth grade yourself because I can't. Four, Probably around 84. 84-ish. Wow. That's Thank super you. fast. That is. <laughs> I could not do that. I couldn't either. I was like, maybe it's late 70s. No, 1984. <laughs> um, and so, like, most people, they didn't know about D and D, but if they did, it was either that devil game, right, or it was the one uh, that if you played it, you were a social maladjust, and it made you crazy because of that Tom Hanks movie, yeah. Oh, yeah. Monsters and Monsters, which yeah. had just come out, and yeah. and that was after it was after like the E.T. version of it, where everyone was
0: like, "Oh, D and D is cool," and they, like the cartoon, ever, had, like okay. just started it was, to crest. Oh, it oh, down. was
2: never cool. It was well, never cool back then. Uh, take my word for it. I believe you. <laughs> but so these kids and I'm like, I'm like, that looks fun. But again, these were like the lowest rung of the social ladder. Yeah. And I went over. I'm like, what do you, what are you doing here? You know? And they're like, this is Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, wow. You know, can I play? And they're like, no.
1: Oh.
2: And so I'm like, I was not cool enough.
1: Even on
2: the ladder. <laughs> to, like, like I was just jumping desperately, could not reach the lowest hey, rung guys, of the come ladder. On. Come on, guys. So I. I got the books and I read them and I kind of, like, ran myself through the adventures that's, that's because... That's a familiar story. And so, like, then... And that's how you become an author, apparently, is, <laughs> is running little adventures for yourself. Right, because you're the storyteller. You're making it yep. up as you go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Not not to bum everyone out, but...
1: I am bummed.
2: Uh, but, you know, when did you start playing? Did you ever, like, break into that crowd? No, I still have never found anyone to play with. No, it's... uh <laughs> Uh, as I got into high school, I met up with some other kids, and and we had our 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 games. You know, my my real trio of friends. We would play mm-hmm. uh, into college. Those were some of the first friends that I've made. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you a, a player or a dungeon master in that group? Um, it, the the first one in high school, we actually did a weird thing. We all created the world, and then we rotated the oh. DM position. So we oh, all had nice. we all had characters. And we would all still have our characters while we were GMing, but of course, like you can be like, "I solved the puzzle," you know. That that's it, it was sort of like gentlemen's rules. But what we had is every character had a folder that the other GMs could look at, but the you couldn't if it was your player. So it was all the secrets about them, and you don't know this about your magic item. Oh, cool!
1: Oh, that's and awesome. it
2: worked out pretty well. Again, there were only three of us, so we, you know. It, it, none of us wanted to be just GM. Yeah. I'll also say I've never been a great GM. Um,
0: I, I disagree, sir, because I saw you at PAX East uh, uh, DM that game.
2: Uh, that one, I mean, yeah, that one went pretty well. It's not, you know, uh, not a typical experience because normally you play, like, many sessions, more than a hour, yeah. Um and my problem is, is I tend to be very controlling mm. and like I make a huge world and then I'm like, here's all the things that can happen. And either it's too open and people just kind of feel lost or I'm too like, like, go to the east, go to the east, go to the east, go to the east. And they're like, we want to explore the town of Graben. And I'm like, oh, no, it's everything I'm ready for, everyone I want to do is over here. So, so you're a railroader. You're a- I, I have that tendency, and it, that is that sucks as a as a tendency for a GM. It's yeah. good for a novelist. Yeah. A lot of my novelist tendencies interfere. I think, but I, I haven't tried a serious GM gig for a while. Um, if I I think if I did it again, I would be better. Just watching Chris Perkins do it. Yeah. Uh, because he's next level. I mean, he's like,
0: hearing him talk about it, it inspired me to be like, yeah. oh, I, could, I feel like I understand now because I think I might have had those same tendencies as you did when you start because you're like, oh, this is my world. This is my story. And I, you're just playing in it. And I know better than you. I know what's going to be a better story. Like you kind of have that when you're young. Yeah. And then as you get older, you realize like it's a collaborative game that you need to be OK with you know probably possibly don't prep don't prep anything like have like a few sentences and like go from there and because you have confidence in your ability to in, to improvise
2: See, I've made that mistake too and it's fallen apart Oh really? Because I'm like I'm like okay you know it's like I make up stories I'm I a can professional make up a yeah. and so I come in and play and then it just feels like kind of flabby and mm. and doesn't and I, I've come to realize that there's a certain weird particular skill set the ability to have a plan and a framework, but be willing to depart from the yes. plan and the framework. That was my problem. <laughs> and um, it's super useful in certain, like, if you're an improv comedian, like, yeah. you, you always practice, 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 but then you have to, like, be in the moment. If you're a teacher, you have to have a lesson plan, but uh, you have to then, like, if the students aren't getting it, you need to slow down. You need to, like, go into Adapt. more detail here. Um What's the other one? Actually, as a parent too, you know. Oh yeah. And so the truth is, I learned a lot of this skill playing D anD D, and it helped me as an improv comedian, and it helped me as a teacher, because like the the places you can learn this weird—I don't even have a name for it—but the the planning, yet a, you know, but willingness to depart from your plan um, is such a weird specific skill that ends up being useful so often. Um, yeah. And it's it's really improved my life. So so everybody out there, hey, kids, remember, D&D uh, <laughs> shapes you. Him. It helps it's, in parenting. I think it does, too. Absolutely. Right? How many
0: kids do you have? Two. Two? What? How old are they? Uh, seven and three. Seven and yeah. three. All right. So I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I'm at that same, like, about, to, when do I introduce them into D&D? Oh, it's happening. Yeah, it's so happening very soon.
2: I tell little interactive stories yeah. uh, with with my my boys, and some of times they're a little like fairy tales, and he's the you know the little adventurer, mm-hmm. and he makes choices and he solves problems. The only reason that I haven't already brought him into D and D is like we try to because they're little boys, especially uh, trying to keep them away from violent media, mm. um, because when you so it, much about D&D is that. It's, it's kind of hard to... so such a huge percentage of the game is like, how do I kill and do damage to things? Yeah. And of course he would love it. I don't know if that's good for him developmentally right now. Yeah. to To be thinking more and more about like, how do I kill? How do I... Whatever. He plays these stories and I don't know if I want to... Yeah, it it just, uh, I'm going to, I'll allow myself one cute kid story. Um, Well, we're full of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can get like two or three. I think you're free. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay, we're in. We're in for good now. Um, (laughs) Settle No reeling me back. Uh, We, uh, uh, it started with like literally when he was 18 months old. And I just said, you know, you know, daddy and, you know, and I'm not going to use his name because I don't publicly. Oot is his, is his stage name. Stage name is Oot. Yeah. and so I say, you know, we go out and we go into the backyard and what do we see? And he goes, and I expected him to say wagon because we put him in the wagon and then we, we go. And he goes, bird. And I'm like, oh. And so then I t- the story kind of focuses on the bird and how he loves to, and I go, what about the bird? Chase it. Because he like wanted nothing more as a child than to catch a bird oh for God. some reason. My four-year-old still at the beach will chase it. We'll Spend the whole time chasing after
0: seagulls. I'm like, yeah. you're never gonna get it. Dude. And if you
2: did, you would not like what happened. <laughs> no. yeah. Exactly. You don't want to catch a seagull. <laughs> you they do that, like the slow, like we're sneaking up. I'm like, you're not, and they knows you're there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it started that young where we would tell this story together, and then it would be like a fairy tale, like where you know he was going to go on an adventure. What do you take with you? And he's like, ah. Uh, A bottle of water, an apple, and what do you put in your backpack? And he's like, a flashlight. Because, like, flashlight is a magic item for a kid. If you know what kids play with, yeah. you, they have a flashlight. They're like, this is the best. I can create yeah. light. <laughs> look, look at me. I'm, a, I'm I a am a wizard God of this that. world. <laughs> and so then we start telling the story. And it's my job. And this is probably why I would be a better GM now mm. is we go in. And I'm like, what problems can he solve with the tools that he's brought? Right. And so he goes into a forest. Right. And it's very dark. And there's some noise out there. And he goes, My flashlight. You know, and for me, I'm like, well die your flashlight. <laughs> you <laughs> only have three things. No, but you're connecting Apple. that. All <laughs> you <know, you're> right. <laughs> but the thing is remember that like it's obvious to you because you're making it up. Right. You know, also you're a grown ass adult. Yeah. But when you're when you're working with your players, they've built their characters. It's like they bought The rope use proficiency, that doesn't exist anymore in the current edition, but back in the day. So being able to use that skill is like... The only reason you bought it is because you thought this would be so cool to use to solve problems. So creating situations in which they can use these skills that they bought because they thought it would be cool, Mm -hmm. it seems wrong in your head because you're like, well, duh, it's so obvious. They're a paladin. Am I really going to... Like throw a bunch of undead at them, yes, because that's what a paladin wants to do—is like kill evil undead yeah, things. You
1: gotta make them feel useful. Yeah,
2: and and so it's not like, it's not catering to them. Mm-hmm. It's it's being considerate of what they desire in the story. And so when you go into the dark forest and you hear noises, and then he gets and he turns on the flat, and then he is safe and he solved the problem. Um, that's super cool. So he was eighteen months old when you were no, the very first one, and then later like two. But here's the actual cute kid story. Uh, Eventually I progressed to the point where um, he would, I'm like, let's do a chain of stories. Let's start making things consistent. Mm -hmm. Because before it was a bunch of little one shots. And I said, okay, once there was a boy and he lived in a house with his mother and they were very poor and all they had to eat uh, were apples from their apple tree. And so the boy decided to go out and have an adventure to see if he could find treasure, to bring it back and and make their lives better. So he goes out and he has an adventure and he outwits some things. Again, there's, I never give him a knife or a sword. Um, but also he knows that he's like a six-year-old boy. And so you see, a, he sees a bear and he's like, I climb a tree. You know, I feed it an apple. It's never like, I will <laughs> stab it. So he's like, uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, he is using his wits to solve problems. And... uh in his first adventure, he comes back. He has three gold coins. And he goes, I said, what do you buy with them? And he's like, I buy a cow, so we'll have milk. Oh,
1: How does he know
2: that? Uh, well, because we talk a lot about Heifer International. Because oh, <laughs> I oh, run yeah, a charity. Yeah. Um, and, and then he goes, uh, plus I live in Wisconsin, so we're all in the culture M- of Milk of and cheese is a big yeah. thing, yeah. And he goes, I'll buy my, my mama a new dress. Oh. And he goes, and he's like, can I buy a could I buy a toy? I'm like, yeah, you could. He goes, I'll "I'll buy a toy. I buy like a train. I go, yeah, buy a very nice train. And then he had these things and the next adventure he goes out again but now they have milk, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, the next one he went out and there's all these puzzles and some he can solve. Like, one of them he comes into a room and it's all full of webs, you know? And I'm like, you know, I'm like, this is one of the very first classic D&D. You come into the large underground and there's webs And he goes, I leave. (laughs) I'm like, good call. Like, do not go where there's danger. This was a smart, like, if I was giving out experience, you would have just earned some. (laughs) But then he finds there's this pit. And he hears, help, help. And one of the magic items he's found is a rope that whenever he says, uh, uh, it'll tie and untie itself. So he goes, rope, tie a knot. And he goes down into the pit. And there's an old man there. And he says, thank you so much. I, I've been trapped down here for so long. Uh, thank you for saving me. He goes, here, take this. And it was a piece of paper that whatever you drew on it, it would become real. Oh. And so he could use this to solve some of these other problems or puzzles in the, in the dungeon. And I expected him to take it and go like, okay, there's the door I couldn't get. I'm going to draw a key or I'm going to do whatever. But he's down there. He goes, he goes okay. He goes, we go home. Like what? We just started this. I was like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "You know, this man has nowhere to go. He has to come home with me. He has no home." And I'm like, "And I'm like, he has not been acculturated to view people as random quest fulfillment and like item distributors. This is a person. He's been he's been down here for so long. He's an old man now. He has no home." And so he's like, he comes home with us. We have apples and we have milk. You come home with us. Oh. And you stay with us now because, because you have nowhere else to be. And I'm like I'm like, oh my sweet boy. Yeah. And what I've wanted to do ever since is create like a storytelling framework that I could give to other parents. That's
1: what I was thinking. I'm like, can you write this down? Like, <laughs> like
2: a sort of system it that yes. like people could do with their kids. Where it wouldn't be like, here's a story you can tell them, but it would be like, you know, because not everybody's, you know, read literally a thousand fairy tales and is a professional storyteller. Yeah. And, but maybe you have like a deck of things and you're like, okay, you come to, oh, a forest and it is nighttime and there's a cottage. And then maybe that's enough for you as a parent to go, okay, and the kid can go investigate the cottage and do whatever. And so you're still making the story, but it gives you a little bit of a shape to it so you don't have to come up with everything off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah. And the little kid would have, like, the, their version of a character sheet, which is nothing but, like, their backpack. And it's like, what do you have? It's like, I have apples. I have a flashlight. I have a rope. Because it's really frustrating to come, like, some sometimes, what do you take on your adventure? Eight apples. <laughs> okay, I guess everything's going to be a god damn apple puzzle <laughs> you, th- could, today. you could say a f***ing apple right? <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was the appropriate uh, <laughs> and so then and so then we're going through and then he forgets that he has all these apples with him I'm like it's you found a, a wild boar feed him the apples and he's like well I've got it was like, I've got a stick. You know and I've got a magnet. I'm like apples. It's, you put apples in your bag. But <laughs> so it, have like a down. It's like a picture. It would be a picture. So yeah. it's like you could go like, hmm. And you would still be solving puzzles. Still yeah. super healthy for kids. Still, you're learning problem solving. And, but more than anything, you're spending time with your parent or a loved one. And yeah. you're making a story together. This is, this is yep. so healthy. Yeah, and all yeah. the
1: skills that come along
0: with
2: it. Yeah, problem solving, yep. math, yeah,
1: analytical. We've
2: been yeah. trying to crack that
0: nut as far as the the. It's not even like an introductory product. It's just more of like, how do you? Because D and D is very math, and as you say, like it's it's really you know program towards how you succeed in combat, right? And so we were we've been trying to crack that for a long time like what is the thing that can get to I mean the young 3 to 10, you know, like what what is what is the thing that doesn't involve it. So we have,
2: few, we have a few
0: we have a few irons in the fire,
2: but we might uh, I, create we some really more. I'm good. like yeah. for real cuz I've been wanting to crack that nut too and if yeah. you guys are already working on it, yeah. like I have I've I've Got I, ideas. I, I I don't want to do this project. My little cardboard game thing, yeah. But, like, I don't want to reinvent a new D&D, but yeah. for kids with less violence. Right. So if you guys are already doing that, please. We will. We will make it happen. Plus, like, like the,
0: the idea of education, too. Like, I mean, yeah. all the things that you just mentioned are, like, things that, uh, uh, you know, whenever you did a group project in school, like how much of that was D and D really? Because you were like, oh, the person who was oh, yeah. good at you know doing graphics, or the person totally. that was good at writing. Like you, they, but you formed groups that way. That like everybody goes to their own uh, uh, strengths, and that's that's D and D to a T. And if you could get that into. Uh, some kind of educational framework to actually be used in schools and not just like, you know, on the side. like Because that's where it is now. It's like, oh, after school or on the side. Like if you actually could integrate it with, with uh, uh, the classroom thing and teach history that way, teach language arts that way, like it would be fantastic.
2: There's a lot of, of recent studies that have talked about um, – The narrative, the the therapeutic benefits of narration, yeah. Like the 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 term is telling a story, uh, narrative, like telling your story, telling a story. Um, If you think of it, the vast majority of our lives as human is uh, are centered around story. Sure. And you might think earliest,
1: earliest, earliest time.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's like all of the music that you like is probably story. All the movies, all the TV, it's all story. Any of these games you play either have a story. Or you invent a story. Like, if, have you guys done PUBG? No. Um, oh, the Player Underground. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's a it's no, a my- it's a murder simulator, and yeah. I'm not a fan of first per- of like kill 'em games, but I play it. And people create their own narrative. Why? Because we can't help but create narrative. It's like how we are wired as humans. Sure. And so the ability to create this sort of story in a group. It's it's like a foundational human experience, um, and yeah, I would love I would love to to find a way to do that with kids. Mm-hmm. Again, like we do not need more violence in the culture. Yeah. You know? yeah. I I played violent D anD D, had a great time, and actually, I want to talk to some developmental psychologists because they might say, you know what, you hit nine years old, having a th- cathartic fictional, you know, violence thing, super healthy, and I'd be like, great, let's do it. <laughs> I mean that's interesting because
0: I mean I have girls so they they teaching them how to be a little tougher is probably yeah, good right exactly and I think I'm all I'm all for that in a way because it's it's play I mean if you ever watch you know uh, puppies playing like they're basically fighting each other constantly right. and it's not like they're I mean they need it for developmental they need it to. to to uh, exercise their muscles and figure out how to use their 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 weight in the right way I mean and when, when when kids do that obviously with with sticks and you know there's it's there's a level of thing but like when it gets to guns that's where it gets weird for me when I'm like
2: bang bang yeah
0: bang. I don't like that as much because of everything that's happening in the world um, but like as far as just like actual just play uh, wrestling or things like that I think that's that's okay and I think um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, like uh, it's killing me. Uh, buttons, uh, puns, yeah. buttons. <laughs> uh, Two syllables. It's, uh, Monkey. Uh, no, but it's not real. It's uh, idealized or um, uh, uh, abstracted. abstracted. It's abstracted combat or abstracted violence. Right. It feels like, like Mario, for example. Like Mario's a violent game because they bump on things, but like
2: it's not as. And that I really agree with because you know we play Mario and like nobody, nobody looks at Mario runs out. Like jumps up and bangs their head into something and expects a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I, I do that all the time. Actually. Greg it. <laughs> it's it's twice, got, it's really, really hard <laughs> head. Really hard <laughs> head. I eat lots of mushrooms. And I actually, I was chatting with somebody else about this because I have been playing some PUBG yeah. and it's very visually realistic. And uh, as a result, like I'm playing this you know, and and I joke calling it a murder simulator, but yeah, it's like you're playing with a hundred other people, and you're finding guns, and you're hiding, and then you you murder them. Yeah, you know, it's a Hunger Games simulator. Yeah, a little bit, and it's like I'm hiding in the bathroom. I can hear the footsteps of a person outside. I, where they, when they open this door, I am mm-hmm. going to shoot them until they die. Yeah, and but like, how is this different from Overwatch? And you could say not at all, except very, <laughs> except very, because PUBG. Is visually realistic. Um, Overwatch is cartoony and flamboyant, and like this is a giant monkey, and I am, uh, you know, in a in a giant mech suit. And uh, sorry, sorry, an uh, ape. He's an ape. You know, uh, <laughs> he's not a monkey? He's you know, an ape. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, my bad, my bad. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, as the way that our brains process information. We see this cartoony thing and mm-hmm. it does not affect us in the same way. I guarantee that if you play Overwatch you like, and you play Junkrat all the time, you walk through a doorway and you go, I better drop a trap here. You don't think that way because visually you're interacting with it mentally in a very different way. I know for a fact… That like I played a bunch of Fallout Four and I looked out my window and I saw my white picket fence. And I go, Oh, I can salvage that for wood. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't. Whoa, no, no. I could. Not but as no. much that I was getting You know, it's like, how do I left click in real life? <laughs> but in PUBG, similarly, somebody said that they were in their house and they heard a car on the gravel driveway outside, and they're like, oh, it's another squad. Right, the
0: hackles like went out. It's, up. it's, oh, another, it's God, like they're, they're
2: coming in. And see, this proves my point. We are learning in these games. We are literally taking in information and learning skills. And the skill you're learning is how to be afraid and be in an anxiety state and then murder people. Yeah, Not super no. useful. You know, <laughs> not super culturally universally I mean, a desirable trait in us. I
0: could argue, like, how useful is a roller coaster? Like, you get put in a vehicle going at fast speeds. Dam- damage is, you know, guaranteed. Percentage-wise, it could be, you know, 1%. Like, oh, I got a bruise to, you know, getting hurt. Like, what is the
2: cultural benefit of that? Culturally, not a lot. I talked to a person that does... uh uh, fear science. Yeah. She's, she's like, why, Ooh, that's do, interesting. Yeah, why that do people fear or put themselves in situations where they are afraid voluntarily? Yeah, what
1: is it, those thrill seeker types that are just constantly looking for that uh, that rush?
2: And if, you, know, if you think about it, you look at a rabbit, you know, like just, you know, how many times a day does a rabbit freak out? Like <laughs> just constant Always. freak out. Yeah. Does that rabbit have high blood pressure or an anxiety disorder or hypertension? It doesn't. This rabbit is fine. Yeah. But now think about us in our very controlled environments. And sorry, newsflash, we were not apex predators, folks. You know, we in the wild, we were prey animals as much as anything. So evolutionarily, we are designed to constantly be thrown into like, oh, shit, I better run. Oh, yeah. shit, do I have to fight to survive? And this these people doing this fear research are like, it's actually if you put yourself willingly into a situation like a haunted house or a roller coaster where you are terrified – it exercises an important part of your physiology because mm. we all know at this point, if you don't get exercise, you you sicken and die. Yeah. If you don't get social exercise, you sicken and die. Intellectual exercise, sicken and die. But what about like your parasympathetic nervous system that is designed to freak out and keep you from getting at by something? Yeah. Going on a roller coaster does that. And it could be that D&D does too. But again, it there might be a big difference between 14 and 6 in terms of, like, developmental stages. That's when I think you're, yeah, I I totally
0: agree with that. It's, like, the same thing of, like, you know, obviously we live in uh, 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 Washington State where marijuana is very legal, but it's very much, which, yeah, very legal. legal. It's very legal. It's, like, the legalist, (laughs) legalist it it could be. (laughs) But, like, there's still, there's not a lot of data on whether, even in your teens, whether or not can affect your physiology as you grow up. And so that I thought they were very smart to make it 21, yeah. uh, same as, as alcohol for that reason. Um but like I think you're you're right there. Like the amount of play that you have uh uh and I don't think it's like if you play once uh you know I don't think you're gonna have a problem. It's more habitual use of 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 things like you know that are super violent at that stage, like will you grow up a certain way. But I also think that it's more of a, a a smaller risk that could impact a larger population over time. It's hard to really kind of do yeah. it, but there's just not a lot of studies on it. But I do find that, yes, I mean, dreaming is the same thing. Like, nightmares are the same thing. Like, I feel like that's
2: Exercise. Yeah. Exercising yeah. your body,
0: right. Yeah. All right, so I feel like we've... Uh, <laughs> I went
2: far afield there. We did. Sorry, That's folks.
0: It. It's super interesting stuff. So uh, uh, thank you guys for sticking with us, but we're going to continue to talk more about... I mean, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about your books oh, and, sure. and, and, and and their impact on, on fantasy and the sure. world. Also, uh, is Lin-Manuel Miranda as cool as, as I think he is?
2: I uh, For those of you that don't know, <laughs> uh, um, I have a deal with Lionsgate now to do... TV and movies um, and games and stuff. Um, and Lin-Manuel is part of that deal. He uh, it turns out he's a fan of my books and I'm a fan of his stuff, his everything, his, his all of everythingness. Even
0: Moana has been a, a
2: big part of our lives oh, for the yeah. last like, right? year or so. And um, so he's, he's everything that you'd hope. He's like, what he looks like in my experience, is really who he is. He is genuinely sweet and kind, mm. and enthusiastic, um, and caring. Uh, he, we're in a meeting, and of course, he brings to the table, um, you know, a, a, a lot of musical knowledge. And music is very important in the books. He understands adaptation. You know, because yeah. he you know brought Hamilton onto the stage. He understands collaborative movie projects because he was in Moana. Mm-hmm. Um, he understands storytelling because he does that. He's a theater guy, which yeah. we're big theater, theater people, and so like it's and and but he also is like a big geeky fan of my books. And did, did that blow your mind a little oh, bit when you found out? It blows my mind every day, <laughs> um, and it's really hard to keep that in mind. Mm. Where is it's it's like. Oh, it's really sweet that he's doing this for me, and I'm like, no, he's got enough other things that he only has to do what he really wants to, and he really wants to do this and that's so, so hard to understand. how did
1: this partnership come to be did uh, they, did the studio bring you two together like hey, you're both fans of or
2: uh, this is, this is a slightly embarrassing story I, <laughs> yeah, I don't I know, know if I've, if I've ever fessed up to Lynn about this yet, but uh, uh, right when Hamilton was just starting to catch fire mm-hmm. in in the, the the greater awareness of uh, of the country, um, somebody tweeted and they they quoted Slow Regard Silent Things and they said Some days simply lay on you like stones. And I saw it on the tweets and I'm like I'm like man I hear you. And and he goes you know Hey, by the way, I do musical theater stuff. If you're ever looking to adapt things and. Mm, and, and I, so I pop over onto his profile. I'm like, oh, okay, you, you do real stuff. But, like, I have no idea who this guy is because I live in Wisconsin, which is about <laughs> as far from Broadway as you can ever be. Small town Wisconsin. Yeah. They don't um, get a lot of, other than the Tony Awards, you know. Like, um, Punk
1: and hollow. I mean,
2: Punk and hollow, right? <laughs> yeah. And so and so, I look at this, and I'm like, hey, you musicer. It's, I'm super flattered that you want to. It's like, you're like you are like, oh, you want to. only when
1: you're out of high school.
2: A little <laughs> bit. Like, because I just had no idea. Because yeah. just glancing at his thing, I'm like, obviously, you do work in your world. Yeah. But I, since I had no idea of, I I'd still only dimly have touched the edges of that world.
0: Um, Twitter is so weird that way, isn't it? Where, like, you can be in contact with people that
2: you wouldn't even know you were in contact with. The same thing happened with Nightwish, which is, like, a Finnish death metal band. (laughs) They tap me, and they're like, man, I really love your stuff, and I've got a band or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Thanks so much. But, like, you get that letter from, like, a 14-year-old who's in his garage with his two friends or from Nightwish where, like, (laughs) They've got, like, they sell, like, four or five million albums, you know? And I'm, like, and so, like, then their album comes out, and there's a song called Edemaru, and I'm, like, oh, this was that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, oh, you... Oh, like a band. You have, like, a band. This is not
0: just, like, a guy <laughs> strumming his guitar and <laughs> yeah. wanting to get in touch with you. I'm like, I'm
2: like, I totally played the local coffee shop three times. <laughs>
0: and they're killed, man. The yeah. song
2: killed Open to the three guy. people <laughs> in the, behind the counter. And so what happened is, he said this, and I'm like, I'm like, you bet, man. I'll, like, if something happens, I'll, I'll totally keep you in mind. <laughs> oh and, then, but, and a couple of my friends... We're like, we're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Right. Oh, because they saw the exchange. Do you know who you're talking to? And I'm like, yeah, he's there's a musicer. A you musicer. Know? <laughs> you know? He uh, looks like super boss. But then, like, <laughs> slowly, over the course of, uh, you know, like, this person would sort of bubble up into my, my sphere of awareness. Like, um, all of my geek musician friends were like, you know, uh, Molly Lewis, who I yeah. adore, her birthday cake said, have you have you listened to Hamilton yet? And she, like, put it on Twitter. <laughs> you know, and, she, and, like, this is my birthday cake. It's like, have we talked about Hamilton? Oh. Everyone's Hamilton. And I'm, the problem is the more people are excited about something and push me towards it, the more I have a problem, right? You right that, that rebel I feeling. I have the, yeah. this iconoclastic, like, contrarian thing. Yeah. But then, like, it came up more and more, and then I saw him do his acceptance speech, uh, oh, okay. accepting his honorary doctorate, and then I saw him on like carpool karaoke. I, know. I fell in love, and I'm like, I'm like, this guy, this guy is charming as, f-. Yeah. and you know, like, and the way he is handling his success. I read his New York Times opinion piece about how he, these people were using bots to buy tickets and then scalp them. And I'm like – and I read about how he um, made sure that his crew – was actually getting a percentage of the profits of Hamilton oh, wow. which has never happened before in all of Broadway and he's like you guys are important you should get a piece of the action oh, as God. opposed to your contractual whateverness as a
0: former stage manager and crew person like that just you never you never
2: got that it was always like this is my show i got my
0: thing and i got my my union yeah. thing and that's all i you know and like s-
2: and so he like actually like nice. broke that and i was like this and then he did a charity thing and then he did this and then he spoke out about and i'm like i'm like i dig this guy mm. like how cuz he's suddenly like the he, he's won the pulitzer and he's rapping with the president and all of this stuff like uh the under the underpinning of it is like joy and him wanting to do good in the world and i really admire the cut of that jib yeah and then my friends were just stupid about it. I listened to a little bit. I'm like, this is interesting. I'm like, and so I'm like, maybe I will see it before it's over. So I, I bought some tickets for an amount of money that I never even knew existed. I <laughs> <laughs> went to see it with a friend and sent him a line. And we go, I go, I'll be in town. I'm going to catch the show. And he's like, you should totally come backstage. Oh. And you're like, let, let so-and-so know. And then I go... And and then I'm like, how How does one go backstage after this? Like, I just have no <laughs> idea how this works. And my friend who's with me, she, you know, she's kind of, she's willing to take charge and lead out. And so she talks to somebody and we go. And then they, they sort of, like, usher us backstage after he's done seeing somebody else. Because, like, the president is visiting him backstage and, uh, like, George Clooney is, like, everybody, every night he's doing a selfie with a new rock the Pope, you know, Lord Krishna, you know, like, uh, (laughs) the new avatar of the Buddha shows up backstage (laughs) with Lin-Manuel Miranda, Galactus. Ori. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and I'm thinking, like, it'll be cool. At this point, I I know who this person is. And I'm, like, legitimately, I'm feeling some Neil Gaiman feelings towards Mm. him where it's, like, I can't. Kind of look directly at you, can I? Because you're the sun. Because you're the sun, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm way too in awe of like the, this creative thing that you've produced. And by the way, and the show, I didn't know what I was. I hadn't listened to the whole soundtrack, so I listened the second act. I should have brought a towel. With how much I cried, like I was a wreck. I like, and I'm not talking a hand. I should have brought a beach towel. I <laughs> cried that much. <laughs> Ring it out into the. Oh uh, my god! So I went back, and and. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God, your stuff. But I'm trying not to do that too much because, right. of course, he gets it. And I don't even know the language to describe how much I love what he's done. And, as we're, and I'm like, I brought you a little thing because I know you like my books. But then I make a, a mention. He says, oh, I cut all this stuff from this. I'm like, oh, man, I cut a ton of stuff from my books too. And he goes, oh, you must do that too. I'm like, oh, yeah, you must do a big revision process. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm always looking for beta readers, and he went, and he <laughs> went, he went, he goes, you're f- kidding me, <laughs> and I went, oh, oh, yeah, oh, he really, and then we left, and and I was, ta- and it, my friend was like, he really likes your stuff. It's like he, <laughs> you can tell. he was
1: geeking out on me. He it. has
2: a busy night. He did not need. To, like it was no social obligation for him to like have a drink with us backstage for like 20 minutes right. you know and so she kind of like pushed me like forced me into this understanding then when his run was done and time went by I emailed him and I said hey I've got this thing going on and then I clipped that Twitter expo- uh, you know and Exchange. I'm like I don't know if you remember but a year uh, ago on Twitter you said that I should maybe contact you I'm like do you want to come in and maybe play Arledin, like maybe help us shape what a troupe looks like, maybe make music for us like just anything you want to do like I know you're busy and you can do anything you want but uh, and that's how it started, yeah. you know and then he said he did and in one of these meetings, it, it was the thing that finally set my heart at ease because we were about to close this deal but I was terrified because this is this is my baby but also like I've got like Five, six, seven million readers out there, and I need to protect this thing for them mm-hmm. because they've trusted me. You know. And and Lynn said, you know, he's in there and he's just done he's just done SNL on Saturday. <laughs> he's just screened Moana on Sunday. I got to see it. I got to see the screener oh, with him nice. on Sunday. That's cool. And then Monday we're having this meeting. And and he goes, he goes, he goes, I just want to be president of the Don't <laughs> F it Up committee. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, right. and, I, and I felt like my heart like kind of loosened in my chest. Like I didn't realize how scared I was. And I go, oh, God, we do. We need a don't f*** it up committee. And I can't be the president of it. Right. But too l- close to Too close. But Lynn, he loves these books. He understands collaboration. He understands story. And he understands like Hollywood. And he's so much bigger than I am he can be a defender and not look precious and not be like just the writer and so that that sealed the deal for me is his willingness to come in and act as like an intercessor and to participate and and just want to come and play with us it was it's still one of the best things that's ever happened to me it's amazing it is
1: amazing
0: Yeah.
2: yeah That, uh, uh, I can't wait. I mean, it's one of
0: those things that's like, it doesn't seem possible that this collaboration could ever, you know, uh, form. And then to be like, okay, well now's, the hard work's got to happen and make it happen, <laughs> obviously. a
2: lot of pieces. I'm, I'm learning a lot about this structure. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say, not to say this is all Lin-Manuel, John Rogers, the person that I've been involved with working on the TV show. Oh, I didn't read. oh, so yeah. Is it
0: going to be a TV show or a movie or both? both. Oh. Mm-hmm.
2: But the details I'm pretty sure I can't talk about. That's much. okay. That's cool though,
0: but I didn't I, for some reason I w- didn't know which one it was and that's because it was both. That the, makes perfect
2: sense. The reason I went to Lionsgate is because my book is super not movie shaped. Yes. Um and and Lionsgate first came to me and said movie, we turn books into movies. That's what we do. And I'm like, Uh. you turn YA plot-driven 100,000-word books into movies. Name of the Wind is like a quarter million words, no discernible plot in any sensible traditional fashion, (laughs) Um, and it's character-centered. I go, it should not be a movie. And they're like, we're good at this. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And I go, but you do TV, too, and you do good TV. And movie. How about too? How about TV? And honestly, I was just bullshitting around. I didn't know any of this Hollywood stuff. I'm like, how about how about this? How about we go to the moon and Mars? You know, yeah. like one isn't hard enough. And but now, so both of those are moving forward. And John Rogers is at the helm of the TV thing. And I, he's a l- writer of creator of Leverage, right? Leverage. Um, the librarians worked in the industry for thirty years. Yeah. Also he had been giving me advice for like five, six years before we ever started work together mm. just because he was big geeky fan of the books yeah. and could oh, see yeah, that I was... I was
1: going to ask what, if you have control over who takes the helm of...
2: Lionsgate actually did give me contractual like approvals of certain things, nice. which shows that they really genuinely wanted my opinion and input as opposed to, what's the term, significant creative consultation because like uh, when Wizard of Earthsea was being adapted by sci-fi and then Ursula K. Le Guin came in and um, you know she wrote her article saying screw all these people forever and I don't care who knows she was like now only now do I realize how little significant creative consultation means I signed these contracts in good faith they've ignored my every everything Uh, but It's just a title that they could put on, but it has, doesn't yeah. have anything legally binding behind it. Lionsgate, to date, has been extraordinarily good at listening and very, very collaborative. I, I fly out there quite a lot to be in the room, and they listen to me. Which is not to say that we sometimes don't butt heads, but that's a good collaboration. Nice. Yeah. Um, and it's so much better than I ever dreamed a Hollywood collaboration could be. That's super cool.
1: What's it like, though, like seeing... Like these are your babies, like you said, your your words, your books. You have a vision as you're writing it to see it like starting to come alive.
2: Terrifying. <laughs> I imagine Mostly it terrifying. Would be. Yeah. Uh, it through all of the contract negotiation, which lasted more than a year, I literally had trouble sleeping. I would have nightmares about it. it's um, your fear I, response and you need to get that exercise. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was I, like, what I needed to a roller coaster. I'd need to bleed that off somewhere else so it didn't spill I I started going to therapy more Eesh. because of the stress, like, tw- like not a little more, like twice a week uh, for right. more than an hour at a time because I knew, you know, like the, the Stephen King response is, you know, here you go, take it. You'll run. And if the movie's good, great. And if not, I'm going to cash the check anyway. Yeah. In some ways, that's the, the path of wisdom, right? <sighs> Because there what you're doing is you're divesting yourself from desire. And if you desire nothing, then you cannot be disappointed and then experience suffering. That's Buddhism. Right. That's like core Buddhism. And it's mathematically perfect. You know, desire not, suffer not. But I've only got this one set of books. And it is very important to me. And I'm kind of a custodian of it. Right. And and so, and I do want something beautiful. To, I don't want... Somebody to get a hold of my books and then make a movie full of ugliness that then shits into the cultural consciousness. I don't want them to put rape in my in, in like oh this here's how we'll add some dramatic tension. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like no, you know it's like let's not. It should not be all car chases and sword fights. That isn't in the book. That's not the point of the book. But what if there was? It'd be so cool. With the you, and then the, the bad guy chases. will say like a quippy line, and then he'd roll the
0: car, and yeah, then we yeah. like yeah. And then we
1: put that quippy line on t-shirts, oh, and tote on. bags. Yeah, hey, I got nothing Get against t-shirt. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> no, but I totally understand that yeah. responsibility. I mean, yeah. I think in some ways it's 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 uh, in speaking to uh, a lot of the D and D team, it's like that they feel that custodian nature about Dungeons and Dragons in general like Absolutely. I mean obviously the people who are working on it now didn't found it back in in 1974 but it was inherited and it feels like we have a lot of responsibility yeah. to to make sure that culturally it stays significant but then it doesn't uh, uh, go against its core ideals but then also does go against some core ideals it had back in the day in order to uh, uh, bring into you know with the future you know
2: that happens a lot it used to be like sci-fi was like on the cutting edge of social progressivism. Yeah. You know, like this old, the or whatever. they were exploring these... Foundation and all that stuff it, was very yeah. much about like, what is government and how should it work? Exactly. What is, you know, what is anything? How could we do this different? What if, what if? And, but what's strange is the social progressivism of 40 years ago is not liberal anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like if you stayed there... Um, it's like you you have not adapted with the times and that's one of the things I really admire about the team and the products you guys are producing here at D&D is you know, you know fifth edition I looked at it and I'm like there's so much, so much subtle healthy departure from some of the things that happened back in the day mm-hmm. um, that again there, nothing was done with malice but like I, I open up the book and I'm like, "Hey, the character portraits—like half of them are women. Yeah. Well, it's almost like half of the population <laughs> is women, and you're representing that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, congratulations. <laughs> like and and that's something that you might never notice unless you came from those days and you're aware of kind of like some of the mistakes we've made in the culture. Um, yeah, and, and it, it's it's a huge part of why I'm
0: excited to be on this team now. It's like that. It, it is it is here and now, and uh, uh, taking D anD D in different directions of, of of storytelling because people's stories change too. Yeah. That, that's the other thing.
2: The stories we're interested in, the uh, sci fi and fantasy, tend to reflect the issues of the day. Yeah. You know, it seems like they're they're otherworldly or whatever, but that sort of thing can just give us the space we need. You know, because, like, anytime anything real-world political comes up right now, mm-hmm. it's you don't want to talk about it with any It's too hot. Everyone's too close to it. But it's like, imagine a world. Imagine another planet. A, hundred, 200, a thousand years from now, imagine there's a government. You know, it's like, oh, okay, let's talk about that in abstraction, right? Yeah. right? And then maybe we can deal with just these concepts without hauling all of our baggage <laughs> into the talk. And that can allow us to be like maybe fully intellectually articulate human beings who solve problems and make the world a better place. Like, wouldn't that be a treat?
0: We're making it one step along the way. Yeah. Each page, each uh, uh, project that you, you work on, that we work on, it's, it's little you know ways steps. to think about things going forward. Hopefully so steps. I feel like I could talk to you for another 14 hours. Uh, do you got time? Agree. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. You don't yeah, have to get, don't get on a, a plane a or anything. <laughs> <Nah. Okay. laughs> uh, I, yeah, there's so much to, to delve into, but thank you so much for taking the time out uh, uh, from your visit here to talk more. And when you come back again, we'll do it again, and I'd we'll talk it. About what the projects are, uh,
2: uh, the status of and them didn't really going forward. We talk
1: about PAX. And, oh, I mean, a little yeah. bit. A little bit I in the beginning. To dig in more. To,
2: but yeah, sorry about that. I, it's hard for me. I, I don't answer questions, I tell a story that's vaguely related to the topic that that's you
0: brought up.
1: Is.
2: I love it. I
0: love it because that's what makes it for good radio. You
1: know, I when mean, we really. met earlier this week, And you said some really nice things about Avalon Hill, and I was hoping that you could repeat those (laughs) right here, right now.
2: Avalon Hill. (laughs) Everyone, Avalon Hill, the source of beautiful games for more than 150 years. I don't know how long Avalon Hill is. It's true. It was founded in
1: 1850. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 60-some years. Yeah. Um, You're a fan of Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh,
2: man. My favorite game. See? my favorite game See? and now I, it out of them. I saw a copy at, at the most replayable game yes. um, that I've ever had If like if I get to sit down with fun people and just I get to pick a game it's Betrayal nice. uh, it's Betrayal it's just hands down you heard it here first um, and actually that was the other of all the things that I've missed I got a mm-hmm. chance to write you know Selinker contact me he's like hey yeah, 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 I hear you I'm like sorry. this you game walk. I forgot yeah. do you want to do you want to write a little and I'm like yes I only have like a bajillion other things that are overdue, and ah. I had to I had to then I said yes but no, and it broke my heart it and it broke still, our
1: heart too i'm, I'm not gonna lie st-
2: I'm still always sad i cry
1: we'll find at another night. opportunity.
2: <laughs> Um, I've yeah. heard going yeah. up to three days a week this- <laughs> yeah. yeah, therapy. therapy <laughs> it's just failed. I never leave the office at this point. I'm a hologramic projection here. I'm right, I'm in therapy right now. This counts as a this session, is therapy, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um but I heard or I saw actually at a World Builders event out at Gen oh, Con yeah. betrayal at Baldur's Gate in Excuse the Wild Me. Like when girls? is this happening?
1: Well, it's happening for everyone. October 6th but what it might it happen
2: for you for soon. for me? <laughs> we got our copies. Oh, okay. We it's got at copies. at my desk right <laughs> now. I'm yeah. just saying I know if you I could maybe shine a light on this if uh, if Cheers. I, uh, nice. Wow. Could you, Twitch I did, I, you can you play a, it? Can you I, play it on Twitch? Yeah. Do it. Do I it. I didn't know it'd be that easy, folks. I, <laughs> I don't no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, okay, fine. Rothfuss, Is well. I, I mean, can I be one of your beta tes, uh, beta readers? We, you, you'll have to sign a profoundly draconian non-disclosure form. But Done. I'm, I'm always that. looking Signed. for for good betas. <laughs>
0: sign. I will do it. Uh, exciting. Uh, well, thank you so much. I feel yeah. like that was a good exchange of ideas and products. Yeah.
1: I know. <laughs> we have a whole bunch of
0: new. We make it happen. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much for for joining us, and and uh, we'll have to have you on again very for soon. Thank you, Hope guys. So. Uh, we are going to be done here. We're over time. I see Chris Perkins is here trying to pick up uh, Mr. Rothfuss and get him sorry. fed. <laughs> I think oh. you might be hungry. It's, uh, it's past lunchtime oh. for real. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but this, that'll be our outro for today, guys. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito. Where can people find out about your stuff?
2: Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on the tweets. I've also got a blog that I uh, write in uh, sporadically, Uh, you know, just search Patrick Rothfuss and you'll find more than you ever want. Nice. What about you, Shelley?
1: I'm at Shelly Moo on Twitter.
0: Um, and you can definitely tune in on uh, September third here on the D and D Twitch channel. We will be hosting uh, Mr. Rothfuss playing with Chris Perkins, Holly Conrad, uh, <laughs> Mike Ruhlick, and Jerry Hawkins. I almost said Jim Dart Magic and
2: switched <laughs> it up into into character <laughs> names. Uh, it's hard to
1: I separate. Actually, those I, two. I will say
2: very briefly. I actually am on Twitch. Like that might be the good one for me to share. Oh, yeah. Probably just Pat Rothfuss on Twitch. I don't know my Twitch handle. I'm bad at this. I'm super bad at this. <laughs> you gotta get one of these that has well, it all the, in front of the, you. The chat
1: yeah. is very good. So yeah, they Some, will, if somebody could share that for yeah.
0: you, absolutely. Uh, I didn't realize you were on Twitch either. So I'll watch you in in. Uh, uh, PubG.
2: You watch me die all the time in PUBG. I, nice. uh, <laughs> I, I play the 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 I'm a gun caddy. I just find stuff. I give it to give it to other people, who shoot and then I and then I you die. do good stuff. You're yeah. like a
0: camel. You're like I'll just take all the stuff with us. Yep. Nice, I like that. Uh, cool, can't wait to check that out. Thank you guys for uh, uh, sticking around for us on this special edition. Yes. We'll be back on Monday at two p.m. Pacific time, starting off with Jeremy Crawford uh, talking about sage advice. Uh, for those of you listening in podcast form, though. Uh, please start watching us on twitch.tv slash uh, d but thank you for downloading this and we'll be back next week with more Dragon Talk Woohoo! Done it